Welcome to the Make Disciples Podcast, a short weekly podcast where we will share topics, ideas, and resources useful to you in your effort to follow Jesus as a disciple. Welcome back to the Make Disciples Podcast. What you're hearing now is a special episode of the Make Disciples Podcast, separate from our normally scheduled podcast. And it's uh, sad that we have to record this, but we felt that it was important for us to record this. Joining me in the podcast studio today is Senior Pastor David McNeely. Thanks for being here, Pastor David. And uh, we got a tough topic uh, to take on today. Absolutely. Yeah, but let's take it on. So let's set the Set the stage here. On March 27th, 2023, a shooter forced her way into Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. And she was stopped some 14 minutes later by first responders. But before that, uh, 152 shots were fired and three students and three adults were killed. Now, it's heartbreaking to note that this is just one of many mass shootings to take place of late. In fact, as we record this, there was another shooting just this past weekend in Alabama and many more over the past several years. But this one in particular in Covenant School hits close to home for us because Covenant School meets on the ground of Covenant Presbyterian Church, which is a member church in the Presbyterian Church of America, our own denomination. And because we have uh, a preschool here meeting in our church, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of similarities going on between these two uh, environments. And so it hits close to home. Now, we would love nothing more than to sit here and fix this issue in a podcast over the next 10 to 15 minutes, but that it's not going to happen. As a result of a podcast, I don't think we can make it so that no shootings would ever happen again. Uh, We can't do justice to the complexities involved in this issue. But our desire over the next few minutes to ask a more focused questions. As Christians, how should we respond to things like this? When shootings like this happen, how should respond? And what does the Bible have to say about that? So David, let me just toss it to you with that uh, open-ended question. Yeah. And I I really uh, like the way you asked the question. Uh, The question is, how should we respond? And I think that's very appropriate. Um, So I would say this, there's no one right way to to feel what it is that we feel about things that that happen like this. In other words, there's always going to be a mixture of anger and angst and uh, pain and uh, frustration, et cetera. All of that is going to be, there's no right or wrong um, in all that. Our emotions are going to pop up as they pop up. I think that we have to get first things first. So I think the question on most people's minds, whether they would consider themselves to be followers of Jesus or not, the question on most people's minds is when you get into an environment like a preschool and then there is a senseless shooting where the lives of some kids are targeted um, and then we know that, that a handful lost their lives um, in that. The first question we ask is, why would God let this happen? I think there's very few people that are saying, well, well God is the one who is intentionally, purposefully causing this to happen, that, that God is directing in such a way that this woman was carrying out his will. I don't think people think that. Um, but what we do think is, man, if there is a loving and benevolent God, then how could he let things like this happen? So let me back up and say um, that there's the first principles in this. I think we got to go all the way back to the garden and understand the significance of what happened. So when God creates Adam and Eve, um, they are in a perfect environment, thoroughly enjoying him, each other, themselves, the creation itself. There's nothing there that, that would cause angst, frustration, et cetera. Um, and then we, as humans, chose, Adam and Eve chose 
to walk away from God's sovereign control, meaning step outside of his oversight um, where he is no longer king um, in their own minds and hearts, and they decided to pursue something else on their own. That brought about consequences that are hard for us in 2023 to accept our realities. So that brought about such devastating consequences to humankind that this is where death enters into the world. So death was not original part of the design um, of God. So I think the first thing we have to step back to and go and think is this. This is a result of our sin, of our rebellion. I am just as capable of this as any other person is, except by the grace of God, there go I, would, one writer would say. So first things first, um, man, we as humans are jacked up in a lot of ways. And then that manifests itself in, um, at times, what seem, may seem to be fairly harmless ways. And at other times, it's going to manifest in ways that are just devastating and um, heartbreaking uh, to the point that it causes us all kinds of confusion and uh, bewilderment. And, and then we begin to question even the goodness of God. So first thing, uh, we got to understand that this is a result of us. So we recognize that we are not immune to this. It seems to be that that's what you're saying, that I, as a result of sin, we have that same kind of line running through our own hearts and recognize that our circumstance is different. You never really know. I mean, we can look at situations around the world, actually, and see where there's violence and uh, terrible atrocities. I mean, you can even look at what's going on in uh, the Ukraine, for example, but over this weekend. I was uh, looking at the news and issues in uh, the, the Sudan or Congo, and a number of civilians have lost their lives because, I mean, we can trace it all back to sin. So that describes it. But how do we respond to it? Yeah. So, first, understanding that this is a result of sin, and meaning that this is going to, things like this are going to happen. And every time something like this happens, we should grieve, we should be upset, we should hurt, we should emote, um, we should do everything that we can on our end to try and prevent things like this from happening in the future. Uh, but I think we're going um, to stay in a place of, of having really unhelpful, unhealthy even responses if all we want to do is to sit back and say, well, God, why did you allow this to happen? And um, because the answer to that particular question, why would God allow this to happen? I don't think we're ever going to get an answer um, for that. I don't know why he allows many of the things to happen that do. I don't know how he orchestrates literally everything that takes place um, under the sun, how he orchestrates that all within his master plan. I I don't know. I don't have an answer for why God would do it. Um, So instead of me trying to figure out why God, why God, why God, I think I'd step back and say, okay, God, what have you called me to do about this? So if the original problem that we're dealing with is man's rebellion, it's our bad. It's the problem in the Congo. It's the problem in Alabama. It's the problem in Nashville. It's the problem. You take whatever example you want from any of these things that happen. The heart of man is the problem. Sin is the problem. What is the solution? What's Christ? We know that Christ is the ultimate solution, that when he returns to this earth, he is going to wipe it all out. There will be no more sin. There will be no more tears crying um, out of sadness. There will be no more angst. There will be no more pain. Um, We know that he is the ultimate solution in second return. So now, as believers here on the earth, we have a role to play that says, hey, how can we help now 
in incremental ways, in small ways, uh, in the here and the now. So let me start with this. I think the first way that we should respond, biblically speaking, when I look at the, at the scriptures, there's a, a, one of the writers says it this way, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And it's not just an isolated passage. This is a theme that we're going to see all throughout the scriptures. So as believers, I think what we want to do is anybody that has experienced some type of tragedy like this, where you have lost loved ones, where you have neighbors, et cetera, anytime, I think our job first and foremost is to, is to, if we know them, come alongside them and cry and hurt. And uh, Job's friends did the best thing in the beginning. In the beginning stages, they came, they sat with him, um, they listened. Uh, they only got in trouble after they opened their mouths. <laughs> there. Um, but I think our first response is draw near to those who are hurting and hurt with them and uh, share um, as much as we can in their pain. That would be true of uh, a family who just lost a loved one who, who died at 85. And uh, that may be one of those deaths you say, I'm thankful that they are now with the Lord and uh, they have a long life, et cetera. And it's also true of the person who just lost a child who had been um, uh, shot unexpectedly. Um, come alongside of people and mourn. So there's been a statement, especially as these have been happening recently, where uh, people use the phrase uh, thoughts and prayers. And there's been strong pushback against that in popular media and all that, as if it's uh, they're creating a false dichotomy that says you only do thoughts and prayers and not thinking about other things. But uh, obviously we have a side on this as believers, but can you just give me a nice little defense of prayer in this situation? We know that prayer is effective and powerful, but how can we encourage others in our prayers uh, for them, for these situations? What role does prayer have to play in this? Yeah, great. So if we believe that Jesus is the solution, and according to the Bible, he really is. He's the ultimate solution that the day is coming in which he's going to return. And and so now we are called to be little Christs here on the earth. We are called to spread his kingdom. We are called to do good, um, uh, et cetera. Um, if we believe that Jesus is the, is the grand solution, um, do we believe that he's the power now for the, if I would, this may be a bad term. <laughs> Somebody may take me to task on this one. Micro solutions rather than the macro solution of when he returns. That there are little things all along the way. Now, some of that may be through uh, laws. I'm making no comment whatsoever on what should or shouldn't be a law in here. Please hear that. Um, but for those that are in that realm, that they are lawmakers, um, they're lobbyists, et cetera, um, they may be uh, uh, called to take part in that. But all of that is predicated upon, do we believe that Jesus is the solution? If we do, then we're going to pray. And so if we don't know anyone that's involved in Alabama, if we don't know anyone that's involved in Nashville or, or any other location, um, the single greatest thing that we can do is to pray. Either we believe that or we don't. Either we believe that prayer is powerful and effective, it availeth much. Um, either we believe that uh, God uses it or we don't. Um, so the call to pray, uh, Paul says it this way, I urge you that all men pray. And then he says, all kinds of prayers that would be given. He tells us to do it without ceasing. He tells us to keep on praying. Jesus even gives us a parable. Be persistent. The, the widow kept coming out and nagging God is the image that Jesus gives us with this. So yes, prayer is, um, I think it was Moody that said it this way. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. So if we want God to do something, to have some sort of solution in the here and now, if we want to see 
the world become a little bit more like Christ, the kingdom of God to expand, where the values of God are expanding, and then shootings like this are happening far less and less. If we want that to happen, um, I don't know that's going to happen um, outside of us praying and saying, God, you go to work, uh, you, you do this. So David, prayer is an effective thing to do. Is there anything else that we can do here to respond well uh, from a Christian perspective to uh, shootings like this? Yeah, again, I would say, so uh, if we believe Jesus is the ultimate solution, keep coming back to that. If he is, and he is, according to the scriptures, then what can we as Christians do now outside of drawing near to others, outside of praying um, uh, in this time, understanding it rightly? Um, If we understand that sin is the problem and Jesus is the solution, then uh, look at the position that we're in now as the church. We have been given this message. People's lives are radically changed when they come into uh, contact with Jesus. Um, There is story after story after story. Um, People who are in prison, currently, historically have been in prison, have had their lives so radically turned around that they were unrecognizable, that they were headed in one direction, and then they met Jesus, and then they headed in another direction. Now, probably one of the best examples to look at in the scriptures Paul is literally killing people who are following Jesus. He was doing that in the name of God. He thought he was doing God's work by that. He was a religious guy, um, but he did not have a relationship um, uh, with Yahweh. And so on the road um, to Damascus is when Jesus meets him. And it happens in a rather miraculous way. He gets blinded. And then it's that interaction with Jesus um, that, that he has changed. And, and basically the voice of, of, of Jesus just says, hey, Paul, what are you doing? This is my paraphrase. Paul, why are, you, why, are you, why are you hurting me? And so he gives him instructions to go and to talk to this particular man. He goes and talks to that particular individual, comes to understand the gospel. His life is so radically shifted that he goes from killing Christians to now being willing to die himself and be willing to give up his own life so that other people might come in contact with Jesus. So uh, who knows when we are in a position to share the good news of what Christ has done in our lives with others, who knows whose life is going to get radically turned around? Who knows uh, what things might be prevented in the future? I don't understand how God uh, operates all of his sovereign will. I don't. Uh, But what I do know is this, it is very clearly his desire that we, through the normal means of just developing friendships with people. We get this gospel message into the hands of others. And then as their lives change, um, they have (laughs) radical shifts in their desires. And so if the kingdom of God is growing numerically throughout the earth, if more and more people are handing their lives over to Christ, um, then less of the population is is going to uh, follow through with things like this. I'm not saying Christians don't make massive, really harmful mistakes. Please don't hear that. I'm saying that if the kingdom of God expands, the power of Jesus in the here and now, um, on the micro scale, the individual life, um, uh, makes a difference. It's a good word. And let's end with uh, some words from Scripture. Psalm fifty fifteen says, Call on me in the day of trouble. And Philippians 4, 6, In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can learn more about this uh, particular incident by going to our website, wildwoodtlh.com slash hub, and find out how you specifically can be praying for the people in Nashville and respond. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Make Disciples podcast. 
We would love it if you would subscribe, leave a review, and spread the word. This podcast can be found in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. My thanks to Catherine Eckhart, the producer of this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Wildwood Church in Tallahassee, Florida.